Welcome to the Congressional School Podcast, where we chat with our community about topics that interest you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Congressional School Podcast. I'm Alice Penn, Director of Marketing and Communications. Joining me today is Elisa Bexel, music teacher for infants through grade two. Uh, the topic of today's podcast is the role of music in infant and toddler development. So welcome, Mrs. Bexel. Um, let's begin by talking about music education today and how it has changed over the years. Well, that's a really good question. Um, so for generations, music has been integrated into the culture and raising children all over the world. Folk songs that we use today were created by communities and they were sung by communities and they weren't just performed by one person. It was a group song. These songs, they bound the generations together and every culture and every community has songs that are unique to them. Well, I'll tell you, hundreds of years ago, nobody studied music education. That's a new philosophy. But there was no re- there really wasn't a need for it because families were instinctively engaged with their youngest children and they created an, an ideal environment for them to develop musically. But in today's ever-changing world, sometimes families don't live as close together with, to extended family members as they once did. I mean, personally speaking, my family is spread out all over the United States. And with that decentralization of the larger family unit, we also find that some of the traditions are being lost. So those playful songs and rhymes that were once shared by generations of adults with children are gradually being forgotten. The other thing that has changed is the role of technology. Technology is taking over so many parts of our lives. And so instead of making music, people are consuming music. And consuming music does not have the same neurological impact on infants and toddlers as actively engaging in making music. Well, let's talk about um, how music affects the development of infants and toddlers. Give us a little information about that. So I have been very fortunate to take a number of courses with uh, Dr. John Feyerabend, who is considered one of the leading authorities on music and movement development in childhood. So a lot of what I'm telling you today is based on his research. He's currently at the Hart School of, of the Hart School of the University of Hartford, and he's also been the past president of the American Kadai Educators. But according to him, uh, an infant's job is to begin making sense of their environment. As their neurological networks mature, they're encountering sounds to decode. And so even if they don't understand words, they're trying to make sense of those sounds. Gradually, infants begin to make sense out of words, even before they have the ability to speak those words. And so neurologically, we're signaling the brain to maintain all of those neurological pathways for future use. And in the same way, Infants need to hear and feel music early in order to begin to make sense of it. If those neurological pathways are not built early, they're harder and more difficult to build later. And so the best time to start creating those pathways is during those first few months of life. And for activities that parents could do at home with their uh, little ones? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So 
the first thing that I would say, as, as I've talked a little bit about technology, as challenging as it is, is I would ask for parents whenever they they're really want to focus on uh, communicating with their child is to put your phone away and to put your laptop away because your babies and toddlers need your full attention and they're eager for you to hold them and to make eye contact with them and that they want to watch all of your facial expressions. Um, and musically, bouncing, wiggling, tickling, tapping and clapping, singing just basic songs uh, will help stimulate children and they'll develop all of that sense of beat and wonder and expressive sensitivity. So can you give us a little bit more information, a little bit more of a description of what expressive sensibility is? Sure. Well, so I'll give you a, a, a personal example um, that I grew up with. As a toddler, I remember uh, my grandfather I would uh, in the afternoons because I lived very close to my grandparents. And my grandfather would hold me on his knee and he would bounce me on the knee and he would do that rhyme, ride a horsey. You probably know that. Ride a horsey, ride a horsey, go to town. Ride a horsey, ride a horsey, don't fall down. And when you say don't fall down, then you hold your baby and you drop them down to the floor. Well, all of that bouncing that he would do would create that sense of beat. And sometimes we would bounce fast. I'm sorry. Sometimes we would bounce fast. Sometimes we would bounce slow. And then that started creating that sense of tempo for me. And of course, at the end, whenever you would fall down, that created that sense of wonder. I knew every single time my grandfather bounced me on his knee, I was going to fall down and I was anticipating that was going to happen. But I always wanted to do it over and over and over again. Now, um, talking about, I, I mentioned the wiggles and the tickles. Um, there's another rhyme uh, you may be familiar with called This Little Cow. Um, and every time you say a different line, you wiggle a different finger or you wiggle a different toe. Uh, the rhyme goes like this. This little cow eats grass. This little cow eats hay. This little cow drinks water. This little cow runs away. This little cow does nothing but just lies down all day. We'll chase her. We'll chase her. We'll chase her away. And when you get to the part where you're chasing her, you can draw circles on the palm of your baby's hand and then run up the arm with your fingers and then tickle them at the end. And again, with this rhyme, babies, six weeks old, seven weeks old are creating that sense of beat. They're beginning to understand vocal inflection and they're also developing that sense of wonder. Oh, and also let me just mention that um, when babies are, I, I wouldn't um, wiggle their fingers until babies are old enough to sit up. Um, as you know, as a parent, um, when they're younger than that, their reflexes are still developing and they will grab your hands. So it's better to wait until they can sit up and until they can sit up, just wiggle their toes and then run up their leg rather than their arm. Um, so and one other activity um, that comes to mind is um, just giving your, your children opportunities to explore. And you can put pots and pans down on the floor in the kitchen and put your baby right in the middle of the pots and pans um, as, and give them a wooden spoon or something to play with. And as they begin to tap on the pots, 
they instantly begin to figure out that each pot makes a different sound. Some of those sounds are high, some of them are low, and one of them might even rattle, which is super fun. So, you know, singing to children is so critical when they're young. Uh, when I began teaching infants and toddlers at congressionals, I would sing to them just without any kind of musical accompaniment. They were engaged. They smiled. The older ones would even uh, begin patting their knees or their head, heads, as I sang. Um, and occasionally, I would like to bring in recorded music and have the children either play an instrument or clap along to the music. But I noticed that every single time that I started to play recorded music, the baby started to cry. And I couldn't figure out why. And as soon as I would turn off the recorded music and start to sing, they started to clap along again. So what I realized is they wanted to hear my voice, right? And after a few years of trying to play all of that recorded music, I finally quit because I would get the same result every single time. In a, in a recent study that was conducted uh, by Carnegie Hall, they found that music builds intimacy and that children form some of the most important relationships in their lives as infants and toddlers. If they're lucky enough to have caring and responsive caregivers, they develop a sense of security and that feeling that they you know, will be followed and they're going to be cared for and they're going to be protected even when they're exploring those new activities and make mistakes. Music can also support those intimate exchanges. So one of those things that I have found a great way to bond with your child is to sing lullabies because you're using pitch, you're using rhythm, and you're using lyrics to soothe your child, to teach them language, to communicate hope and affection, and provide security as your child falls asleep. One of the great lullabies you may know is All the Pretty Little Horses. hush a don't you cry, go to sleep, little baby. When you wake, you shall find all the pretty little horses. That's a great lullaby that babies love to be rocked to. But you don't have to use a, a song that's classified as lullaby in order to sing it to your baby. Uh, my oldest child, uh, when he was a baby, loved the song, Let It Snow. And so every single night I would sing, Let It Snow to him. Sometimes I would sing it really quietly and softly and slowly. Sometimes I'd sing it a little bit more upbeat. And, we, and even in July, I found myself singing that song because he just loved it. So the words of the song do not matter, but what, but what matters is that I'm rocking my baby, that I'm patting his back, that I'm giving him a sense of security and calm and that feeling of knowing he's okay. Um, and one other thing, as a music teacher, I must say this, whenever you're rocking your baby, it's really important that you're rocking uh, your baby and patting the beat. Uh, you can rock on the beat, you can pat their back on the beat, but just make sure that you're doing that um, because I find that, that developing that sense of beat really early on does make a lot of difference. So your goal as a music teacher when teaching infants and toddlers? Oh, yes. Well, I mean, I can honestly say that I do not expect every single in infant and toddler to become the next Mozart or Beethoven. 
But my goal is that they develop basic skills that will help them function musically in society. So when our infants and toddlers become adults, I would love for them just to feel comfortable singing happy birthday to their children without their child shushing them as they're trying to sing. I want them to feel comfortable dancing at their wedding. I mean, I would love for them to feel comfortable clapping along at a public event and being able to clap on the beat. And I would like for them to be able to go to a music concert and be moved emotionally by a particular movement of a piece. Well, Congressional, as you know, um, is committed to making the arts accessible to students of all ages at Congressional. Um, And we're fairly unusual in the fact that our music program begins with our tiniest students, even the Busy Bees class. Um, What are your thoughts about, uh, about that? Yeah, well, I must honestly say every morning, and I see so many parents as I'm walking down to the little school, Um, sometimes in the rain and sometimes in the snow, but I can't help but think about how grateful I am to work at a place like Congressional because it truly understands the value of music education at such a young age. And Congressional uh, challenges me to be innovative and to try new techniques and encourage and support me all along the way. So I want to say a huge thank you to our parents for entrusting us uh, with your children It's just such a critical age and time in their development. Well, on that note, we're going to conclude today's podcast. Thank you, Mrs. Bixel, for taking the time to share more information with us about the fascinating topic. And thank you to everyone who listened in today. Thanks for listening to the Congressional School Podcast. Learn more by visiting congressionalschool.org.